Our second scripture reading this morning uh, from the gospel, well, it's just strange. Um, It's a strange reading from scripture, but it's one that reminds us that the world of scripture is often strange to us. It's a world from another culture thousands of years ago. And what we engage in when we come to scripture is almost like a cross-cultural conversation. So we listen to our ancient sisters and brothers and siblings in the faith We take them seriously and we listen to the word, how they experienced God in their world. And then we listen for how we experience God like that in our world. So with that spirit, let us turn to the Gospel of Luke. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher. Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up the children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless, then the second, and the third married her, and so in the same way all seven died childless, and finally the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, Whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of God as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now God is God not of the dead, but of the living, for to God, all of them, all of them are alive. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God, in these ancient words from this ancient world, may we find a living word for us today. Amen. Now that is a strange story from Scripture. A woman married to seven brothers, one after the other, until Jesus declares that there is no marriage in the resurrection. It also may seem like a strange story for me to choose to preach. This no marriage in the resurrection text, because as some of you know, for the past 14 years or so, I've been part of the community that's worked for marriage, for marriage equality. Marriage equality in our national life, civic life as a matter of law, and marriage equality in the church as a matter of our faith. And you know that the status of marriage has been contested and hard fought in this nation. Back in 2004, Gavin Newsom in the city of San Francisco said yes to marriage, but just days later, the Supreme Court of California said no. Then in 2008, the California Supreme Court changed its mind and said yes to marriage for LGBTQ people and our families. But later that same year, the voters of California said no when they passed Prop 8. 
Then a couple of years later, a federal judge said yes to marriage in California, and then in 2013, the United States Supreme Court said yes, recognizing marriage as a fundamental constitutional right and that LGBTQ couples and our families could not be excluded. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, yes. The National Presbyterian Church also didn't allow the marriage of same-gender couples until just a few years ago. And that took decades of advocacy as Presbyterian ministers were brought up on disciplinary charges for celebrating the marriages of same-gender couples and for insisting, insisting that the gospel of Jesus Christ recognizes the dignity of all people and all families. Marriage in California, no marriage in California. Marriage again in California, but not in other states, then marriage in all the states. No marriage in the church, marriage in the church. It can be exhausting just to keep up. All along the way, what will they decide about us next? What will the next court say or the next legislature or the next popular vote? And now with the conservative Supreme Court someday, will they change their minds? And then we come to today's scripture, and we hear Jesus say this, there is no marriage in the resurrection. <laughs> oh no, you have got to be kidding me. No marriage in the resurrection, really? All this work, and we get to the end, and there's no marriage in the resurrection, no marriage for gay people, no marriage for straight people, no marriage for anyone in the resurrection. Jesus says to the Sadducees in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. They are like angels. No marriage in the resurrection. What can that mean? Now, we have some choices here. We could just ignore the scripture and move on. <laughs> because we're pretty sure from the rest of the Bible that God endorses marriage as one, as one of the ways that we order our lives together. The Bible tells us, and it is a sure truth, love never fails. Or we could explain it away and just say that Jesus didn't really mean what he says here, but he's pretty clear, and this story appears not only in the Gospel of Luke, but in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark. Or we can take this scripture that seems strange to us at first, we can take it seriously. We can take this scripture seriously and listen for what it has to say out of its particular and peculiar context into ours. I was ready to just ignore the passage and maybe preach from the Hebrew scriptures <laughs> until I ran across a feminist scholar, Rachel Conrad Wahlberg, and she suggests that if we are to make sense of this text, we have to hear it as a woman standing in the crowd might have heard it. We have to listen as a first century Jewish Palestinian woman might have heard it. So let's give that a try. Remember last week, we caught up with Jesus as he was on his way to Jerusalem making trouble. This week, Jesus has arrived in Jerusalem in what we call Holy Week, right before he gets arrested, and he's preaching in the temple courts. 
The crowds continue to gather, and those in power don't like it because, remember, he is threatening their power and their authority. He is turning their world upside down. So they come to Jesus with questions, trying to trap him so that they can get rid of this problem. The crowd is gathered, and this first century woman is standing in the crowd, probably at the back of the crowd. Listening to Jesus, listening for a word. And the Sadducees come with their trick question. Now, now the question they ask is about marriage. It was about resurrection and something called levirate marriage. That's a law in Deuteronomy that says that when a man dies without an heir, without without a son, that his brother shall take the widow as his wife to preserve the family line and the family property. The widow is prohibited from marrying outside the family. She has to marry her brother-in-law to protect the family property. So the Sadducees come to Jesus and they lay their trap. Jesus, there once were seven brothers, they say. The first one marries and then dies. He leaves his wife to the second brother who marries. And when the second brother dies, he leaves this woman to the third brother who marries and so on and so on. With the woman being passed from one brother to another and then the woman dies. Bless her heart. (laughs) And the Sadducees ask Jesus, so Jesus, when they're all dead and gone, all these brothers, when they're in the resurrection, whose wife is she? Whose is she? Now, this first century woman standing at the back of the crowd, she knows what they're really talking about. And show of hands, how many of you have figured out what they're really talking about? They're talking about property. This levirate marriage is about protecting property, a man's property, keeping that property within the family. And the Sadducees question is talking about this widow in the story as if she were property passed from one brother to another. In this story, the Sadducees question, whose wife is she, is pretty much the same thing as saying, whose property is she, who owns her? And the first century woman listening in the back of the crowd, she gets this. She knows what they mean. She knows in her bones what they mean. Now, in Matthew and Mark's version of the story, the first thing Jesus says to the Sadducees is this. You, you don't understand the power of God. But after that initial answer... I don't think he's even talking to the Sadducees. He's looking past them, and the rest of the answer is for this woman and for everyone else in the crowd who needs it. And Jesus says, in resurrection, they neither marry the man who marries and gets the property, nor are they given in marriage. The Sadducees ask of this widow in the story, whose is she who owns her? And it's as if Jesus looks past these Sadducees and past their trick question, and he looks to this first century woman standing in the crowd and says to this woman in the resurrection, no one will own you. In the resurrection, no one will have power over you. In the resurrection, you will be free. This woman has come to Jesus for a word of hope, and here it is. Friends, this scripture is about power. 
It's about power over, and let's be specific, as biblical scholar Emerson Powery notes, this scripture is, in the first instance, about power over women's bodies. The question is about the power to control a woman's body, to own a woman's body, and to pass her along as property. Now, so that this ancient story doesn't feel quite so ancient, let's confess and remember that we live in a world that tries to exercise power over women's bodies all the time. Patriarchy is still at work in our world, in our economic systems, particularly the workplace, different pay for the same work, and in our daily life, it works to constrain a woman's opportunities and her freedom. We live in a nation where, right now, states are aggressively working to pass legislation to control women's bodies, and particularly their reproductive choice. Women's bodies and other bodies. Right now, the Supreme Court is considering a case that asks if it is legal to discriminate against transgender bodies, and the court very well may say yes. In our nation, we incarcerate black bodies at five times the rate of white bodies. We've talked about the crisis at the border, and what that is really about is the government trying to control bodies, particularly brown bodies, saying, oh, these bodies can be within our borders, and these bodies cannot, and if they are, we will put them in cages. That's, that's how power overworks in the worldview of the widow in the Sadducee story, in the worldview of the woman standing at the back of the crowd, and in our world, power over seeks to control bodies. And Jesus looks at the Sadducees and says, you don't understand the power of God. Jesus says to the woman in the resurrection, no one will own you. Jesus stands up with the vulnerable in the crowd and with us all, whoever needs to hear it, and says, in the resurrection, no one gets to have power over you. You are a beloved child of God. This is the resurrection word of hope for all God's children, for everyone in every place and every time who has ever felt the brunt of power over. That's what Jesus is talking about in today's scripture. That is how he's turning the world right side up. He's talking about God's love at work in the world strong enough to break every power over us, every power that holds us back and holds us down. Jesus looks at the Sadducees and says, you don't understand the power of God. You don't understand the resurrection power of God. Because you see in the resurrection the patriarchy no longer has power over the lives of women. The heterosexist world no longer has power over gay and lesbian families. Racism no longer has power, period. Cisgender bodies no longer have power over transgender bodies. The majority no longer has power over any minority. In the resurrection, the rich no longer have power over the poor. The CEOs no longer have power over the workers. Those who are documented citizens today no longer have power over those who arrive in this country tomorrow. The strong no longer have power over the weak. The war makers no longer have power over the peacemakers. The well-fed no longer have power over the hungry because the power of God has never been about the power that we have over one another. It's not about power over. 
The power of God is about power for and power with and power in us. Let me say that one more time. The power of God has never been about the power that we have over each other. The power of God is about God's power for us and God's power with us and God's power in us. The power of God is about God's power to set us free. Now that would be good news enough. But then Jesus says one more thing. The Sadducees are talking about who has power over whom when they die. Jesus says in resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. And then he goes on. In resurrection, they cannot die anymore. They are the children of God. They are children of resurrection. God is a God of the living and not the dead, and in God, all are alive. Jesus says to this woman, not only are you free, I want you to hear me. You are a child of God. You are a child of resurrection. You are alive, and you are free. The Sadducees are talking about death. Jesus has always been talking about life. Resurrection life, life bigger than we have ever imagined it, life bigger even than death. Jesus is saying that God's commitment to our life is steadfast, and it has been from the very beginning, on back through Miriam and Moses, on back through Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. It encompasses everyone who has ever lived It encompasses everyone we have ever loved. And in resurrection, it reaches on out into forever. We stand in the midst of that resurrection life right here and right now, and that gives us something to do. The resurrection power of God calls us and empowers us to live our life, to say no, to power over in every form we find it. The resurrection power of God calls us and empowers us to live our life to say yes to the full dignity and the full humanity of all God's children. The resurrection power of God calls us to live resurrection life right here, right now, as the body of Christ turning the world right side up. And so we come. We stand in this crowd with this strong, courageous woman, and we listen for Jesus. We listen for a word from God. And Jesus says to the Sadducees, you don't understand the power of God. And then he looks over their shoulders right at this woman and he says, in resurrection, no one owns you. And then he widens his gaze and looks upon us all, all of God's children, all of us children of the resurrection, standing there, standing here, waiting on a word from God. And Jesus says, in resurrection, no one has power over you. In resurrection, all are alive right here. Right now, no one has power over you. In resurrection, you are free. 
You are free. You are free. 